Today, I'm talking to Bev McKenzie, who is spearheading a BIMCO campaign to reduce single-use plastics aboard ships. Welcome, Bev, to Guard's podcast on Watch. Uh, Thank you, Kim. Thank you very much for the invitation. I'm very excited to be here. Now, Bev, uh, most of our listeners will be familiar with BIMCO, um, but for those who need a refresher, can you just describe uh, BIMCO as an organization? Of course. Uh, So BIMCO are the uh, world's largest direct uh, level membership organization for the shipping industry. So we represent companies, individual companies, uh, mainly ship owners, around 43% uh, of our members are ship owners. But we also have uh, brokers, agents um, and other organizations, other associations, for example, within our membership. And we really represent all of the types of ship imaginable. We represent around 60% of the world's bulk of fleet, um, 86% containers, um, and just over 50% of tankers. So, yeah, we're, we're pretty big. Uh, lots of ships, uh, 2,000 members um, in 136 um, countries. So we are truly representative of the, of the shipping industry. Uh, and what we really do is um, we've got three kind of core goals. Um, we want to create a level playing field for the industry. We look at standards and harmonization of those standards. And we also provide useful tools um, and information. I'll talk a little bit about, a bit about um, my, myself. I really fit within this first kind of goal, this level playing field. Um, and that's really looking at regulations, helping shape them. Uh, making sure they're practicable uh, for our members um, and really kind of sharing the knowledge about regulation and what's driving it. And of course, what we do is we find out where our members stand on all these global regulatory issues and we, we take those forward to the, to the regulators and other stakeholders. Now, Bev, you are head of intergovernmental engagement at BIMCO and you've got a pretty broad range of responsibility. But what I want to focus on is the part of your background that fits so well with the single-use plastic campaign. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself? I have quite an unusual background for someone in shipping. Um, I've got a degree in chemical oceanography and then a PhD in physical oceanography. And really my expertise has been built in kind of the operational oceanography side. So that's how do we use the ocean information uh, that we have from currents through to pollutants to really kind of make a difference in in the operational activities that take place in the oceans from shipping through to fishing, etc. So so before I joined BIMCO, I'd had 16 years as a as a policy director um, at a professional body, uh, so individual membership body. Um, I did a similar role there uh, in terms of intergovernmental uh, pieces, but I also looked at bringing members together to try and solve some of the big kind of crisis we have in the in the oceans, um, including plastics, but also climate change um, and other issues. So that's that's kind of me in a nutshell. Um, I'm a kind of multifaceted marine scientist, I guess, is the best way uh, of describing me. And I'm really trying to kind of do that science to engineering, to practical application, to policy link within within BIMCO. So it sounds like you have an interest in this um, problem of uh, plastic in our oceans, and that's a personal passion of mine too, um, as well as, you know, working within Guard as a P&I club. And I have to say that issue is something that um, I think we can actually see some uh, tangible changes, uh, positive changes in our lifetime. So that's one of the, um, one of the reasons I'm so interested in that uh, area. But let's uh, let's talk about single-use plastic aboard ships. And 
one of the things I want to say about this first off is that, you know, Marpol Annex 5 prohibits discharge of garbage, including all plastic from ships. And that's been in place for decades. Um, it's also one of the most widely subscribed conventions. Even the United States is a signatory, and that's a, a bit unusual. So when we talk about plastic aboard ships and the fact that it's prohibited from discharge, what's really the problem here? It's really interesting. And, and I'm a bit like you. This is kind of a real personal passion for me. And I think plastic is, is really interesting because I think they, they started spotting plastics in the in the middle of the ocean in kind of the late 60s, not, not so long after plastics were being hugely adopted. But really, this is it's quite a new topic, plastics. I mean, I think there, there was a kind of pivotal paper published by Richard Thompson at, at, at Plymouth in 2004 that really highlighted this problem. So it's, it's quite a new problem. But I, I think in terms of how much we've learned and how much it's engaged the public particularly, it's really like nothing else I've, I've seen before. And I think part of that is that it's only human driven. You know, with climate change, there's always a little bit of a discussion about natural variability. And, you know, there's there's always these, these kind of natural features in the ocean, but plastics can only come from humans. So we all have this kind of responsibility to 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 deal with them. And I think that's really kind of driving where, where we're coming from here. Um, and I think we can talk a bit more about how much comes from ships versus how much comes from land and mismanagement on land. But this is a real global problem that requires a global effort and everyone can contribute. And I think that's why, you know, for us as BIMCO, it's so important. We can influence the shipping industry um, and our members can really take concerted action to, to do something. And, and there are lots of single-use plastics on board ships that we need to deal with. And we're really focusing on bottles. And the reason why is that we did a, a kind of uh, back of the envelope calculation. Um, and there are almost one and three quarter billion plastic bottles we think going around the ocean on board ships and 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 that's a big amount if you can if you can get get rid of those and it doesn't it, you know if even if they're not being disposed at sea which we we don't think they are because obviously it's it's not allowed under marple they still have to be dealt with on land so just removing them seems a very sensible thing to do for the for the global kind of waste management problem I think that's a that's a really good point. And um, also, you know, even if vessel owners and their crews are very responsible, there's still going to be accidental losses overboard. Um, you know, walking around with a water bottle and a cap, it's a dynamic environment. So you've got to assume that there will be some accidental losses. And I think there's just, you know, fairly recently been a couple of uh, studies, one of which I'm aware of, involving Tristan de Cunha, which is a very remote uh, island in the Atlantic between Africa and South America. And there was a study done there showing that some of the plastic bottles had to come from ships simply because the way they were dated and labeled, um, they could not have arrived there through natural currents. So we do have some evidence that there are plastic bottles coming off of ships. How they come off, we don't necessarily know. And I think it's really important to emphasize that uh, discharge is uh, illegal. You have to either incinerate or um, land in um, proper facilities. So let's get back to this, this project itself. What are the tangible benefits of limiting plastic bottles on board ship and how is this project um, going to achieve that? Yeah, I think it, maybe it's worthwhile 
first kind of starting off by saying that we did look at alternatives to just removing the single-use plastic bottles on, on board ships. So so when we really looked at what we wanted the project to achieve, we, we started looking at actually can they be replaced by biodegradable bottles or cans or glass? Um, so so that was quite an interesting kind of assessment because we we, we kind of looked at some of these other other products and, and how well they would fit within within what we were trying to do. And, and we realized that even biodegradable solutions are, are not scientifically that well accepted. So, you know, every biodegradable solution at the moment is designed to biodegrade at high temperatures in landfill with no with, with kind of direct exposure to the sun. And we thought, well, you know, if, our, if, if we were, we're trying to keep these out of the ocean, if those end up in the ocean, then they're not going to biodegrade anyway. So we've, we've got these kind of problems. So we really thought what we need to focus on is just removing these plastics you know they don't they they're, they're single-use plastics they don't they don't need to be there we have we have solutions in place and and those real solutions are actually moving to onboard water treatment systems and there there are many available on the market and that they are they are solutions and we, and we kind of started gathering some information on the pros and cons so I don't I don't want to kind of paint a rosy picture that we think this is really straightforward and really easy but there are some really good pros to, to doing this and uh, as part of our kind of single-use plastics working group that we've established which we can again talk about later we gathered some information and one of one of our members Tom Ship Management did provide us some some financial benefits to doing this, which is always a good selling point. You know, installing uh, these drinking water systems, moving from kind of bottle to tap effectively saves money. They have said that if you install a system, it'll pay back within a year. Um, so they, they've given some figures of, of around um, uh, $25 a month for bottled water compared to only $7 a month for tap water for each crew member. So that's quite a big, big saving. You know, I was looking at some of the onboard manufacturers uh, of the uh, systems, and um, one of the one of the manufacturers said it would pay for itself within five years. So I think that's astounding that uh, it's a one year turnaround. Um, and I think it's not just the the difference in price between the bottled water itself and using the system, but it's also the disposal costs because um, you have to pay to uh, dispose of this, and it's a it's a big subset of uh, disposal if you're not uh, incinerating, and then incineration itself is an issue too. But uh, yeah, that's that's the first time I've heard. Um, such a rosy picture on cost. That's a great thing. Yeah, yeah, and I, it, of course, we, we at Bimco we don't recommend any specific technologies, but I think gathering this kind of this information across the the, the technology piece and, and what systems are out there and, and how they can financially pay back is quite a useful will be a useful activity. And I, I couldn't agree more about the discharge for ports and how much that costs. And of course, there's no guarantee that when you discharge these plastics to the ports that they're going to be recycled or responsibly managed. You you know, this is another part of the picture that, you, you, you know, there's some there's some good waste management practices globally, but they are typically in, in Western Europe. And there are some very bad ones in some countries. So I think, you know, the, the financial piece is, you know, another is another incentive to do it. But it, within the bigger piece, it's, you know, we, we need to bear in mind what, what these port reception facilities and the recycling capabilities of these countries are like as well. 
And I think you were about to mention sort of um, carbon footprint. Yeah, I mean, I think the financial cost is obviously, you know, for ship owners, it's a, a huge incentive to do it. But there are other there are other savings, CO2 savings. Um, again, Tom provided us um, some figures um, that they think they've reduced their CO2 footprint by over 2000 kilograms of CO2 per vessel per year. Um, so these are good CO2 savings. Creating bottled water uses a lot of water, um, you know, as well. Uh, creating a plastic bottle, plastic is made from fossil fuels. They have a big CO2 footprint. You know, these, these are kind of, for, for us, they're kind of no-brainers. Um, but we understand that different ship owners, different stakeholders have, have different you know, there'll, there'll, there'll be different things that, that make this attractive. Some will do it for the environmental benefits. Some may do it for the cost savings. Some may do it for the CO2 savings. Some may do it from health health benefits. You know, there's an increasing amount of evidence that says drinking bottled water means you're ingesting a lot more microplastics. So I think there's lots of kind of reasons out there. We're trying to kind of build this story that relates so different people can relate to it in, in different ways, um, which I think is important. Given all these benefits, what do you think are the sort of roadblocks? Why haven't hasn't this been adopted widely already? I think bottled water is very attractive to people. We know we know that because people are buying trillions of bottles of water globally a year. So, you know, bottled water is is marketed very well. Um, there's a difference between bottled mineral water and bottled tap water, effectively, that people don't necessarily understand. But a lot of people, particularly seafarers, come from countries where drinking tap water is not socially acceptable. It's not safe. The COVID pandemic you know, has really worsened the consumer want for plastics. You know, we saw that people moved away from drinking tap water because they thought it might be contaminated and using shared bottles and things like that. So so, so we're dealing with a lot of, of issues with, with the trust in, in water. And I think even in the US, I mean, the trust in drinking water is, is low. You know, and I, I come from a country where we routinely drink the tap water. So for me, I don't question it but but many countries around the world do so there's that kind of social issue but there are things we can do um, as part of the of what we're trying to do is is we really need to promote the safety of these systems um, we also need to demonstrate that they can taste good that actually these systems now are can provide you with really nice tasting water they can provide fizzy water they can provide chilled water um, you know so, so te- technology has moved on and there are always has there's always been safety requirements in place but I think now everyone kind of exceeds that and we're really trying to focus on on the kind of uh, the safety aspect because the crew welfare is really at the heart of the the BIMCO campaign the crew are the ones that need to drink the water um, and we really need to engage them in in this as well Uh, tell me a little bit more about the campaign itself we know what the goal is um, but tell me how it's structured and what your timeline is yeah, so we have, um, it is quite unusual for a, BIM, a BIMCO campaign in that we actually um, was established from our board. So how BIMCO works is it has some governance structures at, at the board is, is the kind of senior decision making uh, body. And th- this has come from the top. So this is kind of we're really going in on, on this with, with all guns um, blazing. 
So, so what we're trying to do is, is a kind of series of activities um, structured around what we believe we can do and what we can do effectively. And the first thing we're trying to do is, is gain some background information to what's actually going on in the world, because we, we make some assumptions about how many plastic boards are on board, what our members are doing, what our members are not doing. So we've started off by, first of all, we have established this experience sharing working group. And I'm hopefully you don't mind me mentioning the members by name um, (laughs) because they are amazing. And God are, of course, in there. And they're an amazing bunch because they're hugely passionate. There's there's no kind of dissent amongst the group everyone is there with this kind of common goal and there's really open information sharing it's absolutely fabulous so we have obviously have guard on there Uh, we have uh, tom ship management who are chairing the group um, scorpio uh, costco shipping sanmar greg star and vilhelmson and we also have oceanwide expeditions who are a small um uh, cruise company which is a really interesting perspective um, and we also have observers from impa who are in a marine purchasing association who have a have a kind of a similar project with the purchasing organizations do this as well and we think working in partnership with with organizations such as them is really important for us because we don't want duplication of effort you know this is a really big issue and as many partners as we can get working together is the better so that was our kind of first step was let's set up a group let's learn what's going on from the from the experts from the people out there who are actually doing things and and trying to make a difference and the first thing that the group then decided or is leading on is is trying to work out a baseline so where are we how do we know how big this problem is how do we know who's doing stuff that's working and perhaps more importantly how do we engage people that aren't doing things but want to what can we as an organization provide so we we've uh we've set up a service um, for not just our members, but for any any shipping owner, no matter how big, how small, uh, what kind of ships, passenger ships, fishing vessels, uh, everyone is welcome. Um, and we're really trying to get a grip of what plastics they're using, um, how many plastic bottles, what their practices are, um, what experience they have with um, port state facilities, um, and whether they're really trying to do anything or if they if they want to. And there's actually even no harm in anyone coming back and saying, "Oh, we're not bothered. We, you know, we don't we don't want to do anything yet," because that also helps us. It gives us an understanding of of you know how, how much kind of momentum and, and there is in this. And of course. The survey we'll use to then really push forward the campaign. We, we we hope it will tell us more about systems that are using, more about barriers, and we can then work on, you know, we make these assumptions that the crew will not drink the water, but do we really know that um, from our small amount of people we've spoken to? We, but by getting bigger survey, we can say, well, yes, this is a problem and this is what we need to do. And so when we have those answers, you know, we'll be producing best practice documents. Uh, we plan on having a, a, a resource of, of different posters and awareness raising materials and videos that people can co-brand or can use as they like. Um, and, and with different messages, as I talked about earlier. So each company can select what's most appropriate for them and for, for their seafarers to use. We're ongoing, as I mentioned, engaging with other organizations to see what they're doing and how we might partner and and work with them. Um, And we're also keeping up to date with what's happening in the legislation field. Um, 
we became a strategic partner to the Glow Litter Project, which is an international uh, capacity development project looking at sea-based sources of litter. And we'll be working very closely with them as they they're a new project. So as they as they develop their goals, we'll be we'll be aligning and and supporting. Let's let's just return to the survey. My understanding is that the survey has been published, but will be reinforced by uh, sending the link to all BIMCO members. Yes. So so it's an ongoing, you know, with surveys, we need to reach the right people in the right companies. They might not necessarily be the, the contacts that we have at BIMCO. So anyone listening who is a BIMCO member that can forward that on to, to people within their organization or at even you know passing it widely would be would be really helpful so it's going by direct mailing it's all over our social media and we'll be continuing pushing that survey out till the middle of september when we'll we you know we have to draw a line somewhere and get on with the with the real work so anyone who's listening um if you are happy to share the survey uh with that would be uh, very gratefully uh, received and I can just say that uh, in the text accompanying the publication of this podcast, we will include that link um, and we will suggest to to our members and clients that they respond, even if they are not BIMCO members, because this is this is meant to be industry wide. Um, and as broad as BIMCO is, I'm sure there's uh, some that have fallen through the <laughs> through the cracks yet have found their way to guard. So with uh, our joint efforts, maybe we can get some some uh, good data uh, baseline. Uh, so we can go forward. So I think um, I think that's probably what we have time for today. And uh, I just want to thank you very much. I'm really pleased to be part of the working group. I think this is an um, extraordinary project. And if we succeed, it will be um, great for the crew, uh, great for the ship owners and great for the environment. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. Good to talk to you. 